Welcome to Story Chats at Inspi Romance. I'm Elizabeth Madry, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Narelle Atkins. I'm Valerie Comer. Christiane Hunter is with us today to talk about her book, Pixels and Paint. Christiane Hunter graduated from Georgia Tech with a degree in computer science, yay, but always knew she wanted to write. In addition to several pre-published contests, Christy is a Rita Award winner. She also has been a finalist in the INSPI, Christy, and GRW. Is that Georgia Romance Writers? That's the Georgia Romance Writers. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Maggie Award of Excellence. She lives with her husband and three children in Georgia. Thanks for being here, Christy. I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you. We're going to start like we always do with guests and say, tell us a little bit about Pixels in Paint. So Pixels and Paint is um, a new thing for me. It is a contemporary. Um, all of my books previously to this have been set in the Regency era. And um, this was just kind of a, a fresh, I needed I needed a little freshness in my brain. Um, so I went with a contemporary. This is absolutely a rom-com. Um, I love humor. I, I think everything could use more humor. And so <laughs> I wrote, it's a rom-com about... Um, a girl who uh, she is just really trying to please everyone but herself. And she's uh, she runs into this guy who does not want her to succeed in pleasing her mother. I mean, not directly, but essentially he <laughs> does not want her to please her mother, but he is the only person who can help her accomplish the goal. And um, so she is a computer person. So if you like the whole women in STEM thing, um, she is a computer person and he's an artist and they do not see the world the same. So they have to learn how to view the world together. Now that, that was, was not at all as concise as it should be, given this is like my fourth interview about this book. But it was, it was great. We're going to roll with it. <laughs> well, we didn't want the cookie cutter canned. No. What's the no. Sec? Do we can cookie cutters? Never mind. Well, we can. <laughs> yeah, if we, we wanted that, we'd just that read one. the back cover, but we're not. We're yeah. Not. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, Narelle, I think you are up first. I am first. So um, I enjoyed reading the book. I'll start with that. And I'm going to read a quote from the book, which is in Carter's um, point of view. It's his dialogue, which is part of a conversation with Emma, who's our leading lady at the art gallery. And Carter says, art is not about technique. It matters not how much time, sweat or skill goes into the work if it doesn't evoke an emotion in the viewer. So in the story, Carter's a commercially successful artist who loves art and Emma doesn't particularly like art and no, she, she does doesn't not. and she doesn't really understand it. So I thought we could talk about the connection between art and emotion, which also translate to, translates, in my opinion, to other creative arts, including writing. So let's yes. start with this. So, okay. Um, so I have found um, a lot that, you know, people can create masses like spend their life making this beautifully written book and if it just falls flat it if it has no emotion it doesn't matter how carefully you wrote it how many adverbs yeah. you avoided like you know it doesn't matter if it doesn't hit anybody but also then sometimes you'll see somebody who just rattled off a story on Facebook and then people are just like crying because it yeah. just hits and so you're absolutely right. It All the art forms, all of those things, this is what matters. If it doesn't touch people, then what good is it? If it doesn't evoke an emotion, if it doesn't bring something out in people. Um, 
I think it's important to note that it's just got to be someone. Nothing is going to create an emotion in everyone. So <laughs> yeah, that's very important well to said, note yeah. is that yeah. it's that as long as you are reaching someone, um, that's really, that's what's important about it. Um, but this really is something for me. I am, I am very much like Emma in this book. Um, I spent most of my life being like, I just do not get art like painted art like go to an art gallery and look at the art I'm like I don't get it don't have anything to do with I get it I just don't get it um until one piece hit me and when one piece hit me and it was very much like Emma um obviously her piece doesn't exist you know the the thing with the gate it doesn't exist but um for me it was Starry Night by Van Gogh Mm -hmm. and when the all everything that that painting has meant to me and emotionally and all the connections I meant to it have opened up my understanding of other paintings and things and how that works. So I think that that kind of helped me realize like, okay, there's a gateway. There's always a gateway into understanding how art can work, but it's, it's got to mean something to somebody or it's really worthless. Yeah. I'm not a massive fan of going to art galleries. I think always think about the cafe where the cafe is located if I'm in an art gallery. And I'm I'm really very much the person that will look at something. It's pretty, it's interesting, um, but I can't stare at a piece of art for half an hour with a contemplative look in my, on my face unless I'm thinking about how I'd write a story set in the art gallery. Then I could probably stand there with a contemplative look on my face, but it would have nothing to do with actually connecting with the art on the wall. So no. I found the... I, yeah, the opening to the story, very fascinating in how mm-hmm. walking in her shoes, I found very interesting and very relatable. Yes. I have to tell y'all a story about going to an art gallery and y'all are actually the first people to hear the story. I have not told this story. Okay, so I, because I love Starry Night, my, my family was vacationing in New York, like my whole family, my parents, my brother, everyone. I made all of them go to MoMA mm-hmm. so I could see Starry Night in person. Like, I don't care what else we see. I just want to see Starry Night. Well, they don't really tell you where things are in the museum. It's just kind of like, oh, this is like the modernist gallery. And I'm like, no, I want to know where this painting is. It's the only thing I want to see. And so I am leading my family. There's 11 of us. And I am just leading us on a rampage through the art gallery, trying to find this painting because we don't really care about seeing anything else. And we're, we've got like 45 minutes in there. It's like, it was all about seeing this painting. And <laughs> I am leading them. We get so many dirty looks from people because we are not strolling appropriately through the art gallery. Charging um, through. <laughs> yes, because I am just like, where is this painting? And then I found it and I was happy. <laughs> and did they appreciate it as much as you did when they actually found it? They didn't. My dad was completely baffled by my whole fascination <laughs> with this painting. Um, I, however, I have two prints of it in my house. One is down here in my office, and then I have one right outside my bedroom. Because um, my thing about it is, and there's a little bit, I think, in the book, I think I might have mentioned it, but the fact that Starry Night has never sold at auction. So nobody really knows how much it's worth. But it is one of the most copied paintings in the world. You can get Starry mm. Night on absolutely anything, like for super cheap, like anything. But so like you as an original, as you were created, are priceless um, by God. Like you were created by God and you are priceless. So don't be a copy of somebody else because that's worth 20 bucks. But <laughs> go be the original because that has no that has no price on it, you know. So that's that's what that painting means to me. So I have it everywhere. I see it I'm like, everywhere. I'm like, 
potentially going to be like feeling like, oh, maybe I should be like somebody else or try to be like somebody else. I have that painting there. Oh, that's such a cool story. I really appreciate in the story learning about art. Like I have a much better understanding of art from having read this book. So thank you for that. Thank you. I had to burn about art. (laughs) I bugged my artist friends way too much. They were like, stop asking me how I draw. I don't know. I just draw. <laughs> well, let me observe you draw. Right, exactly. Yes. Yeah, they have, like a, um, Go ahead. they have a, a Lego set of Starry Night. I don't know if you knew that, but you I have seen that. it. Um, I have not purchased it because everywhere I've seen it, it's been a little expensive. This it's, not pri- it's priceless. <laughs> priceless. It's priceless. That's right. <laughs> I have seen it though, and it yeah. is very cute. Yes. It is. It's got a little miniature Van Gogh too that comes with it. It does. Yeah. It does. I That's think fun. he has both his ears though. So as much as Lego men have ears. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think he does. I did go. Um, a friend of mine went as Van Gogh for Halloween one year and I got a shirt and went as Starry Night and she had the bandage on her ear and the nice. paintbrush and everything. And I went as the painting. It was fun. That's outstanding. <laughs> That's hilarious. Mm. I was going to say, I, I understand not understanding art I understand like art that has some realism but abstract you know like a yellow thing with a red blob or who knows what I'm like you think that's worth what I think the one that really baffles me is the big like it's just a red canvas yeah like with a white line on it and it's worth like five million dollars yeah, and, and you're like for like 35 dollars <laughs> and an hour at michael's i can do that yes yeah. those are the ones that those are the ones i don't understand but yeah yeah the only emotion they evoke in me is uh what the heck <laughs> hey but it's an emotion yeah an emotion has been evoked so it is successful <laughs> busted busted all right valerie <laughs> What's next? Hit us up. So we have Emma, the non-art appreciator. Yes. Um, she she has spent her entire life using words better than me. <laughs> compartmentalizing. It's not even that big a word, people. No. Um, she'd been pretty successful at it for most of uh, her life until now. So the parts of her life just never intersect. And she's very, very carefully made sure that they never, just never touch. Her family Mm -hmm. doesn't understand what she does for a living. Just that it's something with computers and therefore beneath them. Uh, They think she should be one of them in their fashion business. So, uh, and this fashion business is run by her mom, her aunt, is that right? And her sister? Yes. Yes. All of a sudden I was like, was it her grandmother? I can't remember. No, mom and aunt. Mom and aunt and sister. Yes. Yeah. So her twin sister creates wardrobes for Emma. Mm -hmm. Uh, She puts them in a binder and and places them in her closet and they're all labeled so that she will not embarrass her family. Right. But she, her, her sister somehow, somehow doesn't (laughs) quite know that this is not who Emma is like at all. So this binder, this fascinated me. They call it the lookbook. Yes. Where did the idea for the lookbook come from? <laughs> um, how did she never come com- 
come clean about who she really is when they're not watching. Well, um, so the, the, the lookbook is created for the version of Emma that she is when she goes home. That is who the lookbook is. Like it's, it's the, that version of Emma that her mother and her sister know. It's the only one they get to see um, because Emma is very creative. careful. And Emma has created. created this for for them. It's it's kind of been a, a two-way street. She's been like, this is what they want. So this is what I will give them. And so she's been very, very careful to create this for them. And she uses the lookbook to make sure that she gives them exactly what they're wanting because they've told her, this is what I want. Um, where the idea for the lookbook came from <laughs> is that I am somewhat hopeless in my own closet. <laughs> and I have at times, and I have asked, you know, my more fashionable friends or mother even to, to be like, okay, this goes with this. And like, like, this is the whole outfit, right? This all works together. Um, and and they have been like, yes, that is it. Those ear like those earrings, that shirt, like all of the things. That's the that's the look. That's the outfit. That's the thing. So um, I've deliberately had other people help me create looks, and then those things will always be worn together. Like once it's been put together, it will always be worn together. Um, and so uh, that is where the idea came from. Just it's on a much grander scale. There are also apps that will do this for you now. Um, that's one of the things I have I've seen. Like that you can get, um, you can do subscription services. You know, like that's the whole idea behind like the Stitch Fix box is that somebody's going to do that for you and say, look, all of this goes together. Like here's this, um, and so it's it's not that foreign an idea. It's just this is taken a little bit to the extreme. Lot, yes, a lot yeah. <laughs> but her sister's effectively her personal stylist yeah in terms of what the image that's expected from the family as opposed to what she would love to do which is to wear leggings and um, big oversized sloppy joes sweatshirts yes. and all that kind of stuff that's her hoodies that's sort of her home territory for clothing yes yeah all right, so usually with opposites attract, when you go nerdy versus artistic, it's generally the girl is arty and the guy is nerdy. So yes. um, what made you decide to to flip it? Um, and then also, like, Emma's not just nerdy. Emma's, like, on the spectrum. <laughs> Emma is definitely neurospicy. Um, okay. yeah. Yes. So... Um, so what what made you decide to make her that extreme? Because I loved her, but she's I hated her family. I just felt they were so mean to her. Um, like, how do you not understand that this this poor girl just is different and you need to just love her? <laughs> so um, so that's it's very personal. Um and so so Emma. The reason Emma is the nerd, okay, Emma is, she is very much a combination of, of myself mm -hmm. and my eldest daughter. Okay. Um, and so um, we have quite a bit of neurodivergence in my family, uh, myself, my husband, two of my children. Um, my normal kid is the oddball in our family. Um, and so 
a lot of the quirks and things my son actually read this book and every now and then he would like yell out so for instance the watch the green nylon band watch that is my husband's watch it's the only one like <laughs> he has this green nylon band on his watch so that's his watch um and so there's some aspects of him thrown in and so but it's mostly me and my daughter and so that is where um emma came from where i wanted emma to be why i wanted the nerd to be the girl yeah. And um, and I was also very familiar with it. I am by trade um, a computer science major. Um, so that's what I did. I did software engineering and design. And so that was a world I was very familiar with and knew what it was like to have my brain do that. So it was natural to make Emma be the computer science person. As to how a family just doesn't know, um, it's... I am the neurospicy one in my family, um, like growing up. And of course, I'm I'm in my 40s. So when I was growing up, it was not as much of a known thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it's one of those things that if you are not really in that world where you've done some research and you really understand about all the different neurodivergent options <laughs> that people can <laughs> yeah. have, um, it, it's very confusing. And you just don't understand why somebody can't do something a certain way why is their brain just not making why are they just not doing it um and you can love them to absolute pieces and you can be very close to them and you can just not get it so i mean i fortunately i my family loves me um and i was always like more allowed to be myself but they just didn't get me they still don't get me to this day they love me but they just sometimes look at me and just go okay <laughs> they'll follow you through the museum yeah um, they followed me through the museum uh you know they're with me but they don't get me yeah. um and so unfortunately emma does not have that security in her family um and so she wants to try to give them what it is they want from her um because it's not a healthy relationship yeah yeah no mm. it's true. Uh, we, so. we noticed that we did actually. we did yes. notice that. yes and i, I, I mean, you maybe... should mention it it maybe jumped out more to me because like also neuro I like neuro spicy I like that a lot neuro spicy um, well it just kind of gets all of them combined yeah my whole <laughs> like my whole my husband and my two sons totally and my family like my dad and my sister probably not my mom but but the rest of us <laughs> it's like so we're just we, but I'm I'm in my 40s as well and yeah it's we're just weird is really how that was when I was growing up. I was like oh they're weird um, <laughs> got it check yes that kind of odd family down the block yeah. Yes. But I I did I did computers as well so um by by trade so I did love that because I'm like yes yes and the twin relationship was fascinating as well. And I suppose now, <laughs> now that you're talking about the neurospicy elements, I'm kind of thinking, hmm, that kind of makes more sense because often, I mean, we're used to in fiction seeing particularly twin sisters as generally being quite close unless some external thing has happened to create major problems in their relationship, whereas there seems to intrinsically be problems that are quite deep-rooted um, with the twins really being at cross purposes and not really getting each other. And so it was very interesting watching how her twin sister was even, you know, they're late, she's 28, they're 28, and still not understanding that she can't make her twin be a carbon copy of her. Like that's just not going to work. And I found that whole relationship dynamic in the family quite fascinating. 
I don't know. Well, it's very typical for neurodivergent people to present um, what they think somebody wants in order to try to get yeah. acceptance. Yeah. And so some of some of that's on Emma. It's not all on Amy. Yeah. Um, some of that's yeah. on Emma for for having tried to give um, pr- try to project Amy back to her. So you know, yeah. Some of yes. that's on her. I'm gonna say I don't know that her family was purposefully her sister for mm-hmm. sure was purposefully trying to squelch who she was. She'd hidden so sure. well mm-hmm. um, who she was mm-hmm. that. That they could hardly be faulted, and yet we are doing so. Well, except or not recognizing. I don't know. I mean, there's a whole they didn't, lot. In there. They didn't make it a place where she was safe, though. If yeah. they had made it mm. a place where fe- she felt safe, she wouldn't have needed to do that. Um. So, so to me, like, yes, she could have chosen to just put it all out there and show up to dinner in leggings and a sweatshirt. But it's one thing to do that when you know that mom's going to be like. Ugh, couldn't you have tried yeah. versus another one where it's going to be like, what did you yeah. do? What are you wearing? Oh my gosh. Who are you? You know, that um, wasn't in your book at all. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, she didn't have a safe space in her family. Um, and so of course she masked because what else was she going to do? She desperately wanted to belong and to be loved. And she felt that that was how she got it. Mm. Yeah. We've spent quite a bit of time talking about Emma. Let's <laughs> just take a few seconds on Carter here. We've got <laughs> five minutes for the poor guy. Uh, oh yeah, the handsome guy. Him. How was he the perfect foil for her? How how did how did you develop him in re- response to her? I assume that way. Well, I think for him because his whole thing is that he always looks for what's not visible. He's he's always mm. looking for what's underneath. And so for Emma, so much of her life is presented this mask and his whole thing is to look at what's behind the mask. Like that's whole, his whole thing, his whole career has been spent looking at what's behind this idea. What is actually happening? How do I represent something that cannot be seen? That's not actually being seen. And so since his whole worldview, like the way he views the world is to look behind the mask of what's being presented, then it gave her a place where she almost couldn't fall back on all of her old habits because they didn't work. Um, And so giving her someone that is not just looking at the mask she presents and is forcing her to be everything that she can be because that's what he sees um it is pushing her out of that box she's put herself in she has made these walls herself and he's making her bust out of them and it's so at the same time that she is forcing him to think that oh well maybe there is a different way of living things that there's different ways of being creative and there's different ways of you know seeing beauty um but he is also forcing her to see reality in a way. So. Mm. He also forced her compartments to collide. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, and that was a beautiful thing to see that yeah. she could no longer keep all the parts locked apart. Yep. Yes. Mm. 
and she challenged him as well. So his perceptions on the way things worked, he had to realise that he needed to do his own mental adjustments, I think, in terms of expectations. And I think they both, I loved the dynamics of how they both really challenged each other and really grew together as characters in the story. I very much appreciated that. Yeah, it wasn't just one of them that needed fixing. Right, yes. yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. those are the best, those are the best relationships, particularly if you're talking about um, a love relationship, a marriage relationship is where you bring each other up. Like yeah. you, you both are yeah. pulling each other and making each other better. If just one person is helping the other, that's a very unbalanced relationship. Right. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Um, both of you have to have strengths where the other one is weak so that you can bring each other up to a higher level. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah and, and i can see that i can see that with yes this, with yeah. this pair and i'm not going to say what happened but there's something that happens at the end that really brings all this into focus so when you read the book you'll get to that aha moment on exactly how these two very different people are able to connect in such a meaningful and emotional and with a lot of depth and um it was just it was just beautiful to read yeah yeah so uh, what do you have next? What's next for you? So right now I'm actually working on, um, I'm working on a Regency at the moment. Um, my my current plan um, as I'm now indie pubbing. And so I get to do whatever I want. And I am I'm now, I'm planning on kind of going back and forth because I have found that giving my brain a break um, keeps everything fresher because uh, this, if anyone has read the Regencies, they know that they are in third person past tense and Pixels of Fate is in first person present tense. (laughs) So it was a complete break for my brain. Yeah. Um, As far as still being creative and still creating things, but I didn't have to use those same aspects. Um, I didn't have to research in the same way um, and I didn't write in the same way. So I have found just for me that going back and forth really helps keep everything fresh and interesting. So um, writing wise, I am writing um, a Regency right now, but I have um, some prep work that is happening for my next contemporary which is uh, going to be Amy's story. So it's going to be be a duology that comes after pixels and paint. um, And it is actually going to be Amy and Jason. Oh, Ah, Um, interesting. So that there's just a little bit of prep work going on for that. um, But the Regency will be coming out next. Okay. And um, let's see, when did we say this airs? The 17th? Yeah. Yep. Yes. So that will be, that's a Thursday, right? Friday. It's a Friday. Okay, so the, the day this airs, we will have found out if I want a Christie the night before. So Ooh, I've yes, got that will. coming up too. Yes. So. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm going to say congratulations. Yes. And we'll just go with it. We'll just yeah, go with we'll it. just go with it. But if nothing it. else, making a being a finalist is fantastic. So yeah. Definitely. That was, it was a, a big honor. Yeah. Big honor. Yeah. Very cool. Where can people find you and your books? Um, you can find me pretty much just look for Christy Ann Hunter anywhere. Like it's usually my social handle um, at most of the big socials. It's Christy mm-hmm. Ann Hunter. Um, my website is ChristyAnnHunter.com. You can find links to everything from there. Um, so if you're wanting information, links, go to ChristyAnnHunter.com. Sign up for my newsletter. You will get 
all the news information <laughs> past us. If you want, you know, access to me and just me being quirky and me telling you random things like I nap on my husband's side of the bed for some reason instead of my own, whatever. <laughs> That's mostly over on Instagram. That's okay. the big place I hang out. So if you are looking for me on socials, um, get me on Instagram. Anywhere else and you might be getting a canned response from my assistant. There you go. All right. Good to know. Good to know. But if you, if it's from Instagram, it's me. Awesome. Well, thank you very, very much for joining us. Um, and thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, if you have not read Pixels and Paint, you need to. So make sure Absolutely. you- Absolutely. Go, go buy it now. <laughs> go grab a copy. And I will um, say it is available um, in ebook, audio, and print. So- awesome. Yeah, if you're an audiobook person, it's available and it's amazing. I bet. I bet it would be a fun audio to listen mm. to. It's mm. good I might need to look up a sample of that. Yeah. Um, leave a comment and let us know what you thought on our YouTube channel. And while you're over there, don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell so you never miss an episode. And we will look forward to seeing you again next week. In the meantime, don't forget to fall in love with a good book. Bye. 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 Bye, everyone. <laughs>